0: reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard after agreeing with them for their usual daily wage he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, The landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us." He said to them, You too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning everybody just to begin on a solemn note uh, as many of us uh, may have heard already one of our one of our longtime parishioners Doris Olson active extremely active in the parish uh, she passed away early Saturday morning it was expected she's almost 92 years old and so it was an amazing beautiful death I wish we can all have such a death surrounded, all of her family came from all over, surrounded by her children and her grandchildren, and she quietly just died in her, in her sleep at 2.49 a.m. She received the last rites beforehand, so she received every, all the prayers of the church and by her family. That's, that's a way to go. I'm sorry. That's, I would pay money for that. <laughs> so it was a beautiful thing. So, so because our family is here all, from all, all over the um, United States, they spoke to me after Mass yesterday, and they wanted to have her funeral immediately because everyone's already here. So uh, for those of you, they said open it up to the whole parish. Uh, this Wednesday, we're having a funeral. Uh, we're beginning at noon with a viewing for an hour. So if you want to pay your respects to our, our dearly departed Doris, we have an hour for uh, the viewing. We'll be here, and then Mass, her funeral Mass, will be at 1 p.m. right after that. So... So again, we rejoice and we pray for Doris and her family. They were all here yesterday and of course it was still fresh and they were shaken up, but hopeful, hopeful that she's now staring at Jesus face to face. Praise the Lord. So Wednesday is our funeral, twelve noon. Spread the word, it's all happening pretty fast. So I hope you can join us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you guys see that outside when you woke up this morning? It was, it was amazing. You woke up, you looked up like, what is that? Ah, it's blue sky. <laughs> it's almost so beautiful. After months, of was just seeing smoke, it seems like. It was almost, it was as. It felt so good. It was like running into an old high school friend. You're like, ah, I remember you. I know how you look like. Wow, so great to see you. And we thank God for for just the lessening of the smoke. It's such a damper upon everything already going on in our country. We thank God for blowing it away. But also we got to thank God for the firefighters. I received a text from a friend. I'm part of a group text of priests, and he, say, he sent out a text. He said, "Brothers, pray for our firefighters." I got a parishioner who's part of the command structure of, of fighting the fires, and he says. Because of the relentless onslaught of fires, our men and women are fighting around the clock. And they're starting to see mental breakdown. Of course, I mean, you, the human body can only take so much. And we have many parishioners who are firefighters, by the way. Last night, I saw one of our families, I know their dad is a firefighter, fighting one of the local fires. And I, one of the kids, I, I said, hey, he's a seventh grader. I said, when was the last time you seen your dad? He said, sadly, I almost chuckled how sad it was. He says, what, what day is it today? <laughs> he hasn't seen him in weeks. And that's part of the breakdown. Is that not only the stress on the human body and, and mentally, but being away from your family for so long. Had dinner with another of uh, many vets in our parish as well, had dinner on Saturday, a Friday night, with one of them, who's an Army Ranger, sharing stories about his deployments. And I was sitting there with their kids as well, and I thought, wow, luckily he's since retired. But can you imagine the dinner on the eve before his departure? So it breaks my heart to see that. And it breaks the heart of family members, too, to to send off their loved ones to war (laughs) because they know they'll be away for so long. Had dinner not too long ago with uh, another parishioner who's a sheriff deputy. He was supposed to be at dinner, but he couldn't make it. I was with the family anyhow. So this this was his schedule that particular day. He was supposed to get home at 2 in the morning. He gets home at 3 in the morning instead. And then at 5 a.m. he gets called. He goes out and leaves. Comes back a few hours later. He has to report for duty again at 12 p.m. He's raising trying to raise a young family. The wife is pregnant. You know, law enforcement officials say that, or the spouses of law enforcement officials say that, you know, one of the most consoling sounds you hear And I I thought this was strange when I first heard it, but it makes sense. The sound of Velcro is comforting. Why Velcro? That's the sound of of an officer removing his body armor when he gets home at night. Because what did that sound for for the spouse? Ah, they're home safely now or the stories of immigrants. You know, our valley here was settled by the Swiss Italians, many of them. Could you imagine leaving everything behind and coming across an entire ocean to a new continent, not speaking the language? The sacrifice that it would take to leave one's family, one's loved ones behind, especially back then when you left, you left. You didn't see anybody anymore. Or even modern-day immigrant stories, you know, my my family from the Philippines to leave again across an entire ocean. Or, Or Hispanic immigrants coming up from Latin America coming up here. The immigrant story, which we all share sooner or later, utterly heroic. Because what does love want? Love, by its very nature, by its very definition, longs to be with the beloved. Longs to be with the other. That's why when I hear stories of firefighters, police officers, soldiers, immigrants, or any profession where you have to leave your loved ones, the utter respect we must have must be reverence. Because it is love now, which unlocks Christianity. That same love. Did you read? Did you hear the readings from Paul's letter to the Philippians here? Notice what his language is. utterly profound. Notice what he says here. For to me, life is Christ, and death is gain says, I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that it is far better. Look, that's what he just said. He says, I wish I was dead. That's what Paul just said here. Like, why? Because I love Jesus. I love him. And because he loves him, he longs to be with him. But then also notice now he says, but, but, his heart is torn. Right? He says here, I'm caught between the two, because I remain in the flesh for it is more necessary for your benefit. What's he speaking about here? He's speaking about his, heart, his, his torn heart, that he wants to be with Jesus Christ, That's why he wants to die, but then also he wants to stay and to spread the love of Jesus to everyone. He wants other people to love Jesus Christ now. And he knows that if I stay here longer on earth, then I can spread and fight for the gospel and spread the message of Christianity so that more people would love him. And that's utterly amazing because, remember, who was St. Paul? Did Paul always love Jesus Christ? No. St. Paul, before his conversion, hated us. He literally worked to destroy the church. He literally rounded up people in chains in order to kill them. So how now do you go from, from from wanting to destroy the church to now loving it with your entire heart? He speaks about it beautifully on his conversion experience on the road to Damascus when he encounters the risen Jesus now. And then something strange happened after his conversion when he encountered the risen Lord, when Jesus finally became real to him and not some historical figure like Napoleon or Caesar Augustus. Rather, he became living and breathing, became real. Writing his letter to Galatians chapter 1, 17, there's almost a throwaway Comment it says after his conversion, he went into Arabia for three years. We have no idea what happened during those three years in Arabia. It's only speculation. What do you think Paul was doing for three years there? Praying. Prayer. He stayed in Arabia intensifying his prayer life because he knew now that God would use him to launch out into the world and to become the greatest missionary Christianity has ever seen. But before he had to do that, he understood, I must strengthen my love for Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let me ask you, You don't have to yell it out. Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you love him with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength? Do you love him to the point of wishing to die just so you can see him? Ah, see, St. Paul here would love to walk out of these doors if he was here today. He said, you know what? I wish a meteorite would fall on my head when I walk out of this church. Why? That .00002% chance that we all have being struck in the head by a falling space debris. So that way I can finally see Jesus. So let me ask you, do you love Jesus? Because if we do not love Jesus Christ, oh, we fill that gaping hole in our lives with something else. You fill it with stuff. <laughs> that's the natural course. More money, more houses, bigger truck, more prestige. That's, that's what the human heart usually does. When it lacks love of God, we stuff it with materialism and pleasure. Spoiler alert, we know that never works. Do you love Jesus Christ? If the question is no, then it actually leads to another question. How do we get this love? It's pretty simple, actually. Prayer, just as St. Paul did. We can get caught up in the minutia of how to pray, how to do it. But the key movement, is just do it. And I want to present a challenge to all of us here, if you haven't started already. Pray every single day. Why? Why do I say that? Why why do I have to pray every day? Because prayer now is the only means by which we get to know Jesus. And you cannot love what you do not know. Do Do you see that dynamic? You cannot love anyone whom you do not know. Which is why every married couple in here understood. You know when you first started courting your, your future spouse? What did you do? You went out. You went out to dinner. You went on long locks along the beach watching sunsets. You had, you had dinner over wine. And you spoke. Where did you grow up? Tell me about you. What is that all about? You're striving to get to know your beloved because you cannot love what you do not know. Prayer, my friends, is the only means by which we get to know Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Can you commit today to pray every single day and to speak to Jesus Christ? If you say, no, Jesus, my heart is absolutely, I, I care nothing about you, actually. Well, be honest with that. Like, Lord, I don't even think about you most of the time. Good. Begin there, wherever you are in the spectrum of holiness. Whether you're over here or whether you're Father Brian's status over here, holiness, levitating. <laughs> no. Our love is frail. <laughs> but ah, we pray, we pray. We pray. And before we get, into, get entangled with the details of it, I want to give to you the definition of St. Therese of Lisieux. St. Therese, one of the greatest saints of the 19th century. She wrote profound texts of her relationship with God. And She had this beautiful definition, which I love. I love all the definitions, but I, I love Therese's. She writes in her autobiography, and I quote Prayer for me is the surge of the heart, a glance towards heaven in times of joy and in the times of trial. I love that. Prayer is a surge of the heart. A lifting up of one's joys and one's trials and one's struggles to God. That, my friend, is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we cannot understand any of Christianity unless we first understand that God is love, and we are created for love, and only in love will we find him. And so now, with that understanding, I read to you again, listen afresh, anew, to the words of St. Paul, who once hated us, but now loves us. For to me, life is Christ, and death is gain. I am caught between the two, for I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. Conduct yourselves in a worthy way of the gospel,